Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. You have to stay true to what the value of your software is. In the case of Aurora, we say that uh, we are the most accurate and most comprehensive way to design residential and commercial solar installations. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of cleantech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in, and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. I am extra thrilled that you've chosen to spend this time with me today. And if you're actually listening on the day that this episode is published, or even if you're not, I want to wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. Hey, even if you're not in the U.S., I still hope that today you'll take some time to show gratitude for the many things that you and I have to be thankful for in this life. You know, how about thankful that this is episode 199, one more, and we have 200 episodes in the can. And for us here at Suncast, you know, not only am I thankful that we've made it to episode 199, but we're thankful for you. Without you listening, we wouldn't have a reason to keep showing up. So on behalf of the entire team at Suncast Media, thank you for continuing to join us here and be my inspiration for putting this show together Every single week. And in keeping with the pseudo tradition that I started back on July 4th, today I'm publishing an episode on yet another U.S. holiday and with a guest who is an immigrant to the country. Today's entrepreneur is Sam Adeyemo, co-founder and COO of Aurora Solar. The Kenya native has helped build one of the most important software companies in the solar industry. I'm sure many of you have heard of Aurora, especially if you're a Suncast regular, as not only were they one of our sponsors this year, but their flagship design software has been used to design over 2 million solar projects since they launched in 2013. And believe me, they are just getting started. This interview introduces a lot of never-before-asked-on-Suncast questions and a lot of things that even Sam admits he hasn't really talked about in public before. But today's episode is even more special because it was also recorded in front of a live audience at the Aurora Solar Headquarters in San Francisco last month at our first ever Suncast Live event. It was so much fun, and I'd like to give a special thanks to listener and friend Robbie Mickelson of Climate Link and Aurora's content marketing goddess, Gwendolyn Brown, for helping make this event a reality. I'd also like to thank all those who attended in person. It's always amazing to meet so many of you in real life, and I really do appreciate you showing up. And while I know that some of you are on vacation for the holidays, I'm hoping that you won't let the turkey and stuffing keep you from tuning in tomorrow as we will be publishing more content from the SPI Podcast Lounge. Oh, and we're kind of going to hit another milestone tomorrow. If you've been keeping up with the episode numbers, (laughs) lastly, do stick around to the outro where I have more special announcements and thank yous. But for now, 
Let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on this Thanksgiving edition of Suncast. I've always wanted to do something live, and I've always wanted to work with startups in the industry. I get the opportunity to do that in one go. Yeah. So thanks, Sam, for, for joining me for this. I know that this is out of his comfort zone, like well out of his comfort zone. So we're going to explore that tonight. And if you've never listened to Suncast, I'm extremely grateful that you're here. Uh, if you're uh, an Aurora employee, you can sit down, man. I don't want to make you stand. I'm going to talk for a second. Thank you. <sighs> I'm going to talk for a second. All right. Uh, if you've never been, uh, if you never listened to Suncast, what we try to do is really capture the essence of the entrepreneur. The idea is that it helps individually for you to think about how to grow your career, but also collectively for us to understand how folks that are really making an impact in our industry got their start what the pivot points were in their career. And at the end of the day, I think probably Elliot, who's a longtime listener, would agree, like it humanizes people that are other, otherwise on pedestals in our industry, right? Of their own making, of our own making, right? And it gives you insight into things like how Jenya Medbury left SunPower and started PVEL and sold it and bought it back again, right? I've covered that whole story. So it's really been a joy to have this uh to have this experience and to have some of you who are fans come alongside give me feedback and insight but it's also been really cool when listeners suggest that companies partner and so many of you probably even at aurora who aren't listeners may not know that aurora has been a partner of suncast for the last uh, little while here which i'm internally grateful for because it actually makes this podcast possible uh, what I'll state here for the record is that tonight and this recording has absolutely nothing to do with in any way the fact that Aurora has been a sponsor or a partner. Uh, when, uh, when Robbie and I sat down and said, what would be cool? Just so you have an idea of like who we compared against, right? Who, mm-hmm. What would be cool? Andrew Savage at Lime mm-hmm. was on the hit list. Um, trying to think there was, uh, there was another one over in, this, over in Oakland. Do you recall? Well, there's, there's there were like four, huh? There was Bergie throughout, you know. Yeah. Bergie, so, right? Yeah. Right, Bergie, Andrew Birch, Andrew. Birchie. Call him Bergie, but yeah. Andrew Birch, yeah. <laughs> Lynn Jurek, uh, Andrew Savage, a couple of Andrews. If we decide against that, <laughs> and then uh, and then I said, well, what about someone in the city in San Francisco instead of Oakland? And Robbie said, well, Aurora just moved to San Francisco. And he didn't, he doesn't actually listen a whole lot to Suncast. He doesn't have time. And uh, it's, it's an hour long. It's a commitment. And I thought, well, that, that's serendipitous. So we followed that. We followed that thread. And thankful to Gwen and the team for having us here. Uh, how many of you are employees? Again, raise your hand. Cool. A fair amount. A little, little over half. How many of you feel like you have a really good level set understanding of who this man is <laughs> yes he is enigmatic our There's hr director also. enigmatic the <laughs> hr director has his hand up all right he has access cool. to the classified files <laughs> fantastic well if i do my job well tonight uh and i leave elliot happy with the with how, how well i've done uh as a comparison then we'll all know a little bit more about sam but more importantly we'll understand how aurora solar fits within the greater battle that we're all in, right? 
the energy transition, climate change. If you're here because you're part of the Climate Link meetup, you're in, you're implicitly interested in how technology is changing the fight against climate change, and think that part of the sort of ground zero for that is the type of software that gives us leverage. So we're going to explore that a little bit tonight. How you doing? Good. Good. Let's look at we've got we've got the audio checking in here. We did an audio check and uh, and Sam unwittingly told me exactly how to get to his house. So that's okay. There isn't much there. <laughs> I have it recorded. There isn't much there because he lives here. Yeah, kind of. That much they know. <laughs> <laughs> six and a half years, right? Uh, six and a half years since we were formally incorporated. Yes. Mm. Yeah. A few more years if you talk about when we got started. But, mm. Yeah. Well, for those who are unfamiliar, Sam or Samuel, as he was named, Ariemo, mm-hmm. is co-founder and chief operating officer at Aurora Solar. Aurora is a software platform used to design more than 80,000 solar projects per month around the world. Uh, before founding Aurora, Sam was vice president in J.P. Morgan's chief investment office. We'll talk a bit about that tonight. And he uh, famously went to U Chicago with another uh, set of uh, solar software designers that will shall remain unnamed for this, uh, for this interview. But it sounds, sounds like U Chicago and, uh, and graduate school are good to those who would want to start solar software programs. Just, that, just saying, if you're out there and you're thinking about where you want to go to undergrad, or if you want to do Harvard or Stanford, maybe Stanford, Sam's had a, a, a fabled journey to get into solar software. But I'd rather, instead of me telling the story, Sam, would you do us a favor and help us understand that first moment where you realized that there was life outside of banking mm-hmm. and that there was a world of clean energy mm-hmm. and it was something that you really just thought that you could spend the next 10, 15, 20 years of your life in? All right. Um Well, first of all, before I begin, thank you very much for having me, and thank you for choosing Aurora as uh, the location of uh, your uh, Climate Link uh, Suncast uh, podcast. Uh, We're honored to have you, so um, thank you very much for uh, being here. And also a special thank you to Gwen and all the people who turned around from SPI and made this happen. Uh, This is a great turnout. So when did I realize um, that I would want to spend the next 10, 15, 25 years of my life um, uh, focused on uh, clean energy? Well, first of all, I didn't realize it would be that long. Um, uh, I still am not sure it would be that long. But... um, Uh, I think that for me, uh, between working at J.P. Morgan and finance and uh, starting Aurora, there was grad school in between. And grad school was a time to explore different ideas, to just basically, you know, try and find out, like, what's most important to you, why it's most important to you, what kind of things do you want to do for the rest of your life, you know, when you're starting out uh, in undergrad and so on and so forth, you kind of do what you're told, at least I did, um, and followed more of the traditional path. And I was like, okay, what are the things I really care about? And when I was looking at that, I knew I wanted something that would be really important, that would have a significant impact on society, on the world. And uh, clean energy just fit uh, a number of uh, interests for me. Um, number one, I loved the end outcome 
uh, in terms of you doing something that's really good for society and also at an individual level. Uh, before we started focusing on software, we're actually doing installations. When I say we, I'm referring to me and my co-founder, Chris, um, uh, who is in here right now. But You guys are at Stanford together? Yes, we were in grad school at Stanford. Were you roommates? Uh, we were not. Technic no, we were not at all. <laughs> technically or not technically. We're not roommates, but uh, we met very early in the program, probably, um, I think it was like first quarter, he claims we met in orientation. I didn't remember him. But, uh, <laughs> so you were clearly memorable in orientation. Uh, Chris well, was not. Well, well anyway, he's not, he's, not, he's not here to defend That's himself. That's right, he's not so here. I'll, uh, I'll, let that, I'll let that contentious story uh, rest. But... Um, uh, long story short, um, we met very early in grad school, probably around the first week of the first quarter, and just started talking about things. I had come from a finance background looking at doing something different. He had come from a background where he was working with uh, off-grid electrification solutions. So he had co-founded this charity um, that had powered, uh, you know, basically they built hardware um, and other solutions and came up with an economical mo model where they could provide electricity to a lot of um, rural homes in sub-Saharan Africa and in India. And when we're talking about it, he said, yeah, we powered something like 600 homes. And that was really cool because I was like, well, these are small systems, just a light bulb or um, in some cases, maybe enough to charge cell phones and so on and so forth. But it was a pretty transformative impact. So that was really cool. But then, uh, you know, I thought, I love that. And then I got the finance side of mine. <laughs> and I said, well, can we make this bigger? Can we turn this into something that was beyond a charity, et cetera, et cetera? And that's when we started batting around the idea of, well, what if we did actual solar installations um, in emerging markets? So I'll pause there because maybe I'm heading off track from the questions you asked. Uh, the short answer to your question is, when did I first realize? Um, this is tough to admit, but I, I first fully realized when I met Chris and we started talking about some of the cool things we could build together. Let's back up just a little more. Mm -hmm. You are 16, 17? first coming to the United States? Roughly. From your birth country of Kenya? Mm-hmm. To Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Why did you stay home for college? That's a very easy question. Okay. Um, University of Chicago, they gave me a scholarship. It was a really good school. I knew I wanted to study economics. I'd seen the potential of economics to transform lives. Um, uh, when you grow up in an emerging market, anytime the IMF comes out and says something, it actually changes the public discourse. It could affect like the currency, all sorts of stuff. So it was like, wow, those guys have a lot of power. So I wanted to uh, learn the kind of dark arts that were economics at the time. It's kind of interesting because... Uh you're engaged in some dark arts in the solar industry right now. I, I like to not think that. I yeah. Think, I, think, I think I'm on the light side now. You are on the light side. Yeah. However, uh, you're now creating complex algorithms to address world problems, and that's, mm -hmm. and that's, uh, that's, that's admirable. When we discussed the, um, the period that you guys were exploring where, how you wanted your sort of a mini business that you were thinking about inside of Stanford. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the moment where you and Chris realized that the, the solution had become the product mm. that, or, or rather the product had become solution. I think you know what I'm referring to. Um, I think what you're referring to is that, uh, so 
we met and we're talking a bit about like, hey, what are some things we can do? This is cool technology. It has a good impact. But how can we gross this up? How can we like, you know, do this at a scale that justifies um, uh, all of our efforts and makes the kind of impact that we would like? Mm -hmm. And so our answer to that question was, okay, we're going to install solar in emerging markets. Right. And um, that was what we set out to do, not really knowing much about what that meant. Again, there's a common theme here. That's a good idea. So. And, and by emerging market, you were principally focused on the African subcontinent? or We actually looked all over. Okay. Um, but then at some point, you have to narrow it down. Yep. Um, and so uh, by, by emerging markets... Uh, Coincidentally, what you're looking at with solar is you're looking at areas that have the right climatic conditions. You're looking at people who have uh, poor alternatives to um, uh, what you're providing with solar. Um, so in that case, it was um, reliable, cost-affordable electricity. Yep. Um, so a lot of emerging markets, maybe that's part of the reason they are emerging, um, tend to have those common characteristics. In this particular case, uh, we honed in on Kenya. And um, uh, we sent out a bunch of flyers to a bunch of different locations there. Uh, and the flyers basically said uh, something to the effect of, would you like clean, affordable energy at a lower cost than what you have, right? And it was kind of like, yeah, why not, right? Mm. Um, and so from there, we narrowed it down to, okay, these are sites that look like they could be a good fit. They looks like they could actually afford to pay for it, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then once we narrowed it down to about one site, we actually went through the process of designing a solar installation for them. And that was really when a lot of the pain began. Um, uh, and there was a lot of it. Uh, you know, six plus months of uh, nights and weekends meeting up, trying to design a system for halfway across the world from our dorm rooms in Palo Alto. Were you working? Like you want to ask them. Yeah, were you working through someone locally that you had a, a trust relationship with? Or how did you establish a communication line? Not really. Um, uh, I mean, before. Well, I guess Upwork and things like that were okay. a thing, but um, uh, it was... So it wasn't like working with your cousin back in Kenya or... No, 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 no. not at all. No, uh, I'd actually, I'd never met these uh, folks. Got so it. what we did was um, we found some people who would go out there and take uh, uh, a survey. Yeah. And so they would take pictures of the Literally site, on take Upwork, measurements. you found people who would... Uh, in this case, um, I'm not sure if it was Upwork, um, but it was on... Uh, it was one of these platforms. It may have been like sure. reaching out, but it was someone who had never met before. Got it. Um, and he's great because uh, he still works on, uh, his name's Steven. But in any event, uh, uh, we, we hired him to go yeah. and do these surveys and to take a bunch of pictures and to take um, uh, measurements of this location. And uh, he got all the information, uh -huh. right, and uh, would send it back to us. And so we got all of this initial information and started designing a solar installation. And we found that we didn't have all the information we needed. We had to ship over a bunch of like data loggers so that they could install it. Right. And we just got reams and reams and reams and reams of data. And what you're trying to do with all of this data is come up with uh, a solution, not even an, uh, we started out trying to come up with an optimal solution, but pretty soon you converge on, let's just find something that works. And something that works is something they can afford, something that will reduce uh, their current electric bill, something that will be reliable, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that was the better part of six months, nights and weekends. And then uh, for our summer, we actually flew down there. Um, oh, sorry, we had to raise a loan, um, find people would actually pay for the equipment, pay for a ship that would travel to the site and uh, deliver our equipment. Uh, what we ended up designing was a, a 50 kW, 3,500 amp hour of 48 volts for all of the energy geeks out here, quasi-off-grid system. 
And um, everything was planned out. Everything was perfect. It was going to fit on top of this building. And we knew exactly where it was going to go. And um, sorry, actually, originally, it was going to be a ground mount. Yeah. You know, we had like this area that they had cleared out and everything. And we arrived there, and we find they had started digging a foundation. So we had to figure out how to convert this from a ground mount to a roof mount system. And I think that was the beginning of the end of, uh, hey, we're going to do, do create a solar city for emerging markets right. type concept. Yeah. <laughs> And so basically, uh, to your question, which was like, how did the product become the solution? Yeah. Right. Um, the product became the solution because it became clear to us if we wanted to do many of these type of projects, if we wanted to do many of these type of installations, we'd need better ways to do that. We'd need better software, better tools. And so the first versions of Aurora were for us internally to enable us to do more of these solar installations. Right. And uh, by the time we had another year, in my case, it was a year and a half. I was doing a joint degree. <laughs> program. So another year and a half of school, it became pretty clear uh, software was our solution. That notwithstanding, this is still just a school project. As we talked a bit offline, coming out of JP Morgan, going into Stanford, mm -hmm. it's easy to say the yellow brick road was paved before you. You could pluck any apple from any tree as a, as a banking grad from Stanford, yet you've chosen the not so terribly easy path of developing a software for a solar startup uh, or for the solar niche to begin with. I think a lot of companies are just school projects, right? Like yeah. Google was an assignment. Certainly. Dropbox was initially something. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that's most of the people I know, like, I don't think that's too uncommon. And I think that uh, that's, that's something that uh, for a lot of people who are hopefully listening or out there in the audience, um, uh, it doesn't have to be this grand, you know, design with everything all planned in. It's just following your interests and seeing where it goes. And then once you hit on a vein, yeah. doubling down on that. Some people do come up with a whole plan ahead of time. But I think for a lot of people, it is just a project to yeah. begin with. So Allow me to play a little bit devil's advocate. You, you have a lot of opportunity. You could consider this a project that was just too hard, and yet you could still be committed to climate change mm -hmm. and attacking that as a problem. Mm -hmm. People at Cone Resnick are attacking the same problem. Mm -hmm. People at Climate Bank will be attacking the same problem. Mm -hmm. uh, why, then, is this software path mm -hmm. your chosen tip of the spear mm -hmm. to attack climate change, to fight this, this, this macro problem that you believe is where you should invest your career? It, it ended up being that, mm. right? Originally, it was actually installing the systems. And then what we realized was, if you're going to do this in any sort of scalable, deployable you know, uh, way, Right. If we had so much pain and granted, it was uh, exacerbated by the fact that we were halfway across the world. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we didn't have money like, you know, all of these things exacerbated it and made it a little bit more difficult. But um, at the end of the day, it became very apparent to us that, hey, look, if you actually want to um, do this at scale, um, it was pretty logical that you'd need this solution. So I think probably the tougher part for us was um, there were a couple of follow-on projects. And at some point, it's like, okay, this is working. This is cool. But then uh, if you do two, three, four, five, you can do that. But what if you need to do, you know, um, a thousand in a year? Or right. what if you want to do, uh, we have some clients that do tens of thousands of solar projects a year. Uh, you would need some sort of um, software solution. 
and uh, there weren't any good solutions on the market at that time. Uh, so we took what was being incubated and turned it into its own product. Yeah. I think it was at that point for us, given where we were in the f- whole value chain and ecosystem, yeah. just blindingly obvious. I mean, it's kind of the, the story of, uh, of Slack, right? And it's kind of one of those things where you just look internally and you're like, wait, we've developed this tool yeah. that's helping us yeah. and it could help so many more people. Right. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating. I think we'll have the same outcome. Very good. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad to hear it. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we haven't yet had have we a solar unicorn? So we're on our way. Okay. What for you has been easier than you expected? Getting this company off the ground. Nothing. what's what's been harder than you expected and then everything is not acceptable Uh, what's been harder than I expected hmm well we were very much the type to like hey listen get your head down and work Um, so especially now that People are like, well, we want to hear how you did it, your story, so on and so forth. Uh, these kind of things have been a little bit harder because it's like I'm not used to it. I'm not used to talking about like, well, this is what we did. Mm. Uh, I would advise, you know, you guys come along and do things the same way. So that's been a little bit harder. Uh, let's see. Aside from that, what else has been harder? Um, I'll ask it a different way. Uh-huh. Is there a particular sacrifice that you that comes to mind that you had to make to achieve what you've achieved so far? Is there a particular sacrifice I've had to make? Um, well, you started off with the joke of maybe you live here, <laughs> um, uh, and everyone kind of chuckled until I looked at them, and then they kind of put their faces <laughs> down. Um, so there's a little bit of that. You do end up having to put in quite a bit of time and a lot of hours. So. Um, those are things that you could obviously be doing otherwise. Mm. Um, you spend a lot of time thinking about like your team and yeah. what are the best ways to make them more efficient, happier. Mm. Are they happy? Are they not happy? So, you know, those are things that you end up uh, spending a lot of time uh, thinking about. And that would be another thing that's harder because you just kind of expect like, oh, well, we put things in motion and, mm. you know, everything will flow from there. But, yeah. Is there anything in particular that you can think of that you... You feel like you had to trade? You had to trade. Um, uh, a salary? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, let's be honest. Uh, I, was, I was a VP in the chief investment office of JP Morgan. That's like, yeah. that's like the SWAT team uh, of uh, traders who get yeah. put there. So uh, doing that to a, a shoestring budget, um, especially initially, is a common path that any founder goes through and any of the initial folks uh, that, that's not the case now. Uh, mm. uh, am I allowed to say we're hiring? Of course. Okay, we're hiring, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, we're very competitive uh, now, but in we're the gonna, early days... We're going to talk about exactly why you're hiring. And yeah, exactly. But uh, in the early days, that yeah. was an obvious sacrifice. And I mean, other than that, I, I, I really see it as a pleasure and a privilege. Like, mm. I never think like, oh, I wish or I'm sad or I'm unhappy. Are there yeah. times like, oh, I wish I had a bit more time or mm. I felt like, you know, I got more sleep or, you know, I could do more th- yeah sure but overall i just feel so so fortunate and so lucky to be doing something that is meaningful mm. um that uh at least so far is working and their prospects for it to grow much bigger like that's actually pretty exciting every yeah. day so i don't consider it you know as too much of you know um uh, a sacrifice as a software provider to the industry mm-hmm. are there certain things that you have to deliver in order to survive 
Yes, um, there are a lot of things that you have to deliver in order to survive. Um, you have to stay true to what the value of your software is. In the case of Aurora, we say that uh, we are the most accurate and most comprehensive way to design residential and commercial solar installation. And that's always been the case. So we really focused on being accurate, like making sure that you can really precisely forecast how many solar panels will fit on a property, uh, calculate how much energy you'll produce, and uh, predict how much money it would save your clients. That's, that's what every solar professional needs to do. And we wanted to be able to do it for anywhere in the country, uh, other parts, uh, so that if we went back to do that same installation again, it would be much faster. So um, you just need to make sure you nail that, like get that absolutely right. And that's what uh, the entire team, uh, especially on the product and engineering side, have been focused on. And then from there, um, especially as of earlier this year, one of the things we like to say is that, and we also provide the best service. You know, we have like a big team here, and they're really focused on your needs and everything else. And um, there, you know, that is also um, a lot of uh, a lot of the value proposition we provide. It isn't so much software, but it is part of what you'd expect with Aurora. So, yeah, um, those those are things that keep you up at night. How do you provide the best service? Uh, best people. Are they available 24-7? Uh, they can be, if you're the right client. <laughs> and if they're not, I will be. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Actually, you know, earlier you started off by saying we design over 80,000 solar projects. That must have been an old slide because we're now over 100,000. Mm. So uh, when you think of the amount of volume that's flowing through, um, yes, 24-7 uh, uh, support, um, not only like accessibility, but also quality, so that if someone has a question, you have someone who's actually trained and has a good background in solar who could address it. Yeah. Those are some of the things we look for. I've been in the industry for 14 years. Awesome. I started designing systems quite literally in Excel. Yeah. I, this is like, it's laughable, but yeah. one of the guys who taught me how to do solar, uh, would take Excel and he would bring it down to one square by one square yeah. and he would draw a rectangle of the roof. Yeah. Like this is how we did it in 2006. Some people still do it that I way. I know, it's sad. Um, I actually, uh, we actually um, uh, just signed up someone who used to do that before and uh, when I told that story, I don't think people believed me, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I learned on my own TurboCAD in 2007. Okay. Uh, cool. and, then I, and then I found the amazing and wonderful, fabulous world of DC power systems and AEE where really, really good engineers would for free design all my projects. Okay. So that was fantastic. And then along comes um, Andy Black mm -hmm. and his service. Uh, and I was out of the industry uh, on the residential side for a long time when companies like Aurora came along. Mm -hmm. So when I began teaching a class on how to develop a solar project, on the resident commercial side, uh, I discovered through YouTube mm. this product called Aurora that I didn't know existed. Oh, cool. And I remember uh, getting up on the roof with a sun eye. Yeah. Right? Not any of the newfangled pro products that you have that are yeah. digital, right? A yeah. sun eye and drawing. Yeah. Drawing the shade. Yeah. I mean, I watched this YouTube video and I thought, this is magic. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, what, what sort of... You know, what, what does it take to get to this level of, of software and integration? And I used that video uh, of Aurora in my classes for a long time. Oh. 
Thank you. You're welcome. And I didn't know anything about your proposal tool or anything else. I just said, uh, you know, this is how it used to be and this is how it now is, right? Yeah. Like this is the future yeah. and, this is, and the future is now. Yeah. Why did you start with residential instead of uh, a more comprehensive sort of approach to uh, the industry? Was there something? Yeah, that's a really good question. Let me try and think back to uh, when we were making that decision. Because your first project, I'll note, was commercial. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was commercial, but it had a pitched roof. So in some ways it sure. looked like, well, eventually it ended up yeah. having a pitched roof. So it was kind of um, well, residential I wonder, in, in I wonder, as, as you pontificate, I mean, Helioscope started as commercial. Oh, no, uh, I won't pontificate. I'll just sure. think. Well as, well, as you think yeah. about the appropriate start, um, Helioscope started in commercial. Uh-huh. And I... I in truth, don't know why they started in commercial. It just occurs to me, like, I wonder why Aurora started with residential, given yeah, given there were already software uh-huh. trying to address residential design. Uh-huh. And there were software that came along. Which, sort one, of, which one was trying to address residential design? In truth, I can't name them. Yeah. Uh, so that's what, that, that's what we found, right? Like, um, there were things that kind of existed Mm, and they kind of touched on parts, but nothing that really tied together the solution where you felt like, hey, look, I can confidently design something for this location and be uh, confident in the results. So the reason we started off in residential were uh, twofold. One, the whole idea was that we want thousands of different projects, right? Yeah. Like tens of thousands of solar installations to be empowered and enabled. And when you looked at the soft cost, like yeah. the cost of like the site visit and everything relative to the overall cost of a system, in a residential project, it was astro- astronomical. If it was a utility scale project, just to take the other extreme, mm-hmm. then yes, you can ex- uh, afford to spend a bunch of time and go travel out there and take measurements and so on and so forth. But even there, there are now software solutions that are focused on that. Mm-hmm. But when we were looking at like the ratio of soft costs to overall costs um, in residential, it seemed like that was most apparent. So that was one reason. The other reason is that um, just the core IP and the core technology that we developed just fit really well uh, for residential. Like it's pretty cool. You draw something, you get a 3D model. It looks a lot more impressive when you have all of these different like roof facets and yeah. You know, if you think of uh, the sun eye that you yeah. said, where you got on the roof, I'm guessing most of the time that was for residential projects, right? Uh, for both. Oh, for both? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which meant that you were taking sometimes 30, 50 data points. Oh, wow. You know, individuals. So it was miserable. Yeah. No, we were doing mostly commercial back when I, when I had my uh, solar company. You mentioned being sort of bootstrapping. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not bootstrapping anymore. Congratulations. How did you initially fund the business and how long uh, did you think that you would have a runway? Quasi bootstrapping mm-hmm. um, uh, in that uh, we, we had um, uh, about a uh, million dollars worth of funding and uh, that carried us for the first four or five years. Of that was our- like friends and family? Uh, no, we did have um, some uh, professional investors. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't think there were any friends and certainly no family. Um, but uh, uh, actually, no, that's not true. There was, uh, there was a friend. Um, but it was friends, Angel, and um, one VC, yep. Pair Ventures. Uh, they're that fantastic. was Pair? Yeah, that was okay. Pair Ventures. They're fantastic. So Pair came in in your Angel round? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from day one, they came in in the Angel round, mm. gave us office space, oh, cool. uh, so on and so forth. So, At what point did it become clear... And under whose guidance did, did you decide it's time for the Series A? 
So uh, we raised our Series A earlier this year. And um, at what point did it become clear? We got to the point where the company was about uh, 40, 50 people. And uh, at that point, uh, we just had to decide, well, what do we want to do with this, yeah. right? Like, um, is this something where we're trying to build uh, a platform that could be the operating system mm -hmm. of the industry, which is our ambition? If that was the case, it just became clear we would need more capital. We needed more people because there's so many things we had to build. We needed um, that whole services side of thing, right, the support yeah. side. And ultimately, you just need that buffer, like, you know, Big companies uh, want to know that whoever they are partnering with will be around, you know, for a while, mm -hmm. um, and we do as well. So when we looked at all the investments we had, and we looked at like, all right, we've got this far, and we could continue that way. But at the end of the day, we have we want all these solar projects, yeah. you know, every solar project to pass through our platform and be better off for it. You'd need more capital, yeah. and so um, that was um, it. wasn't an easy decision. It took a couple of months to decide. Let's see, that was probably about a year about a year ago or okay. no um, about a year and a half ago okay. we were like okay we think that this is something that we definitely should do and then from there we had to talk about uh, execution and pair led the series a along with energize pair pair participated okay they participated. um uh, uh they at least they're changing now but they were a smaller fund yeah. at that point so they wouldn't lead the whole yeah. thing yeah okay yeah you raised a massive Series A. Twenty million is by any standard in the solar industry. Yeah, and by most standards in Silicon Valley. Yeah, a big Series A raise. <laughs> yeah, where did that number come from, and how in the world did you accomplish that in a year? Where did that number came from? Well, um, came from the investors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me the tell me how you found. Tell me how. So, Pear was in part of your angel round. You've got Energize and uh, uh, A twenty eight, S twenty eight Capital, and Fifth, Fifth Wall Ventures. Fifth Wall Ventures. Yeah. Was it as Silicon Valley as the as you know TV would have us think this this whole process is? <laughs> I hadn't watched that episode in Silicon Valley, <laughs> um, but when I did, um, I'm not sure I laughed or cried because it just <laughs> seemed like so real. But um, uh, yeah, uh, it in some ways it was. I think that um, I guess the question is how how did it proceed? How did we get yeah. to this number, yeah, yeah. et cetera, et cetera? What crazy stories do you have along the way? And anything you want to throw in there? We'll jump along for the ride. <laughs> Retail. <laughs> You know, I'm waiting to get to like the two or three year mark after um, the fundraise so that I could one day say, oh, five things I learned from raising money. Um, so I haven't got that yet. But I do think that one thing I've learned so far is don't talk too much about it um, because <laughs> you could get in trouble. But uh, as far as like interesting stories that uh, materialized, I think I'll save that for just you and me over uh, a beer sometime. But that's exactly what Suncast is about. You and me and a beer. That's and 8, right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I think that um, what was really interesting was actually seeing our evolution over the process, where we started out saying that, hey, look, we've got this thing. It's great. You know, um, at the time, I think uh, our software was being used to design 40 or 50,000 solar projects um, yeah. a month. Us 
pitching what we could become yeah and then hearing it reinforced and then incorporating like because sometimes you go and say hey we could do this and then you know the investor would say like well or the potential investor well what about this and this and this and this is like oh that's great i hadn't actually thought about that mm. and you incorporate that into the pitch and uh going uh forward but i mean there's so like anyone who's raised capital uh goes through a tough time almost anyone you get shut down so many times yeah you know there are people you've prepared meticulously for and they'll be like okay so um uh tell me again about the plumbing industry and you're like uh i don't really know that much about plumbing but let me tell you about solar right um so uh, like i i just see it as part of the process um mm-hmm. were there funny stories yes um uh will they remain private <laughs> probably yes fair enough fair enough <laughs> but yeah Hey, you know, the vast majority of commercial businesses who want to purchase solar just can't get a cost-effective PPA because they are unrated or below investment grade. But our partner, Energetic Insurance, can help you unlock this huge market opportunity by covering off-taker payment default risk. This enables savvy developers like you and the banks that you like to work with to do more projects and deploy more capital. If you want a fast and simple way to finance your commercial solar projects, even the big complex ones, go to mysuncast.com forward slash energetic and submit your projects today. 70% of projects qualify and the review process is drop dead easy. So go to mysuncast.com forward slash energetic to get started. Hey, are you losing commercial solar sales because of high demand charges that minimize the ROI for your customer? Extensible Energy's Demand X software is an affordable new solution for reducing peak demand charges by 30%. No batteries required. Extensible's intelligent software analyzes solar production, utility rates, weather data, and more. Then it crunches that data, monitors solar and flexible loads, and automatically reduces peak demand spikes, increasing your customer's ROI and decreasing payback time. Head to extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast for a free demand charge analysis for your project and to learn more about Extensible's partner program for commercial solar installers. You can learn more at extensibleenergy.com forward slash suncast. So back to the number, you talked a lot about the investment being geared towards growing the staff. Mm Mm-hmm. How has, since February, the vision grown about the investment and the scale that you want to achieve? Mm. One thing, uh, going back to this dream of one day saying a couple of things I've learned. Um, One thing is uh, pretty clear is that money doesn't write code. Uh, Money doesn't sell product. Mm. Money doesn't support customers, right? Mm. So the fact that you know, you have the money in the bank. How the, the the vision has grown is really focusing on what type of culture and team do we want to build yeah. uh, to execute on all of these things. And so how has the vision grown? Um, the vision is still the same. Like, you know, you, you raise the money to effectuate the vision, not to like create it. Yeah. Um, so that hasn't changed. But like what has changed is the urgency with which to accomplish that. So that that's been a big change. Right. So it's not like, oh, you raise money and it's like, now you can relax. It's the opposite. It's like, oh, this old, nice, leisurely place we were on where we um, could um, uh, build a product as we needed, so on and so forth. Now there's a lot of uh, uh, pressure to uh, accelerate things. Apart from 
signing and seeing the closing docs and then maybe that first transfer, what was your favorite moment from the roadshow and the process? Probably the favorite moment was you're spending a lot of time out there pitching to people um, and uh, telling them about your story, your vision, and you know they kind of uh, have to play this somewhat disinterested but mm. kind of interested mm. kind right. of appeal. And then you know when you get to the point and you say like, okay, well, are you in or are you out? And they, all of a sudden there's this flood of interest, then that's kind of like, oh, so all this time yeah. um, you were bluffing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, that's uh, that was that was um, that was a nice moment and. Uh, that's part of how it ended up being uh, bigger than anticipated. But mm. I remember the time when we finally closed. Me and Chris just looked at each other. We were exhausted. There was nothing to say. Just gave each other a big hug. Yeah. And then we just walked out here and acted like nothing had happened because, you know, we had to just go back to It's a normal to day. It was a normal day. We were waiting to tell everybody together. Yeah. And so, you know, we had to just kind of stay quiet for the rest of the time and then, you know, at our all hands say, all right, so this is what went on and we did this and we released this feature, this, oh, and by the way, there's an announcement. We, we just raised Yeah, and everyone was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was really exciting. Yeah. Job security. Yeah, That's yeah, cool. yeah. That's exciting. Who, who was here when that happened in February? Do <laughs> you remember that day? Yeah? Was that the first thought, job security? It's a lot of change, right? And as you scale and you guys are growing rapidly, there's a lot of change. But Bezos, as one of our iconic founder entrepreneurs, likes to focus on a question when he's going after a specific market. And he makes his, his staff included in all their presentations. And that is uh, answering the question, what's not mm. going to change? Mm. So with regard to Aurora, with regard to solar, mm -hmm. as you think about the scale that you want to achieve, what's not going to change? Mm. I think you can look at it at uh, multiple layers. At the most basic front, what's not going to change are characteristics that are similar to other industries, right? Like, um, you know, people always want it to be more affordable. They'll want it to be faster. They'll want it to be easier in terms of the end product, right? So those are clients. So that's not going to change. And the question is, how will we get there? Our focus is on solar, obviously. So what we do is focus on, hey, look, in order to make solar cheaper, we need to make soft costs a smaller portion of the overall cost. So what are soft costs? Customer acquisition costs, financing costs, um, design costs. And we focused really heavily on the design side of things. Mm -hmm. What can we do to help reduce customer acquisition costs, right. right? Like that's something that we've been working on and thinking about and working on a product for for a long, long time that we'll be launching uh, next year. Um, so what are some of the tools that we can bring, like, you know, uh, the proudest accomplishment that I think Chris and I have made is really bringing so many talented people to work mm -hmm. on problems they otherwise wouldn't have. And the things that they would do is, all right, people are going to want it cheaper. Let's focus on customer acquisition costs. Why is it more expensive? How can we lower that? How can we make our customers, who at the end of the day are uh, solar professionals, the real heroes, boots on the ground, out there pitching solar, installing solar, how can we make them more effective? And those are the things we focus on. And once you focus on that, it actually makes a lot of the decision making of uh, what to build next or how to market something or what to support uh, relatively uh, straightforward. When you think of the term successful, it could be solar, it could be more broadly climate change mm. uh, as, a, as a category, what mm. or who comes to mind for you? What's the standard bearer? Actually, quite a few people. I think you're quite successful, right? <laughs> Thank you. Like, how did you start Suncast? 
Uh, I started Suncast. How did I start Suncast? Yeah. Uh, episode 100 answers that question. Okay. I started Suncast uh, out of a desire to learn more about from folks like Marco Garcia, who came before me and knew a whole lot about Latin America. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to be better at being a project developer. Mm-hmm. Not better than anyone else. I wanted to be better in, in and of myself. Mm-hmm. So I started Suncast as a as a clever way to open the door Mm -hmm. to thought leaders in our industry Mm -hmm. and to get insight from them. Mm -hmm. And now how many podcast downloads a month? We're uh, we're, we're coming up on 200 and four years. Okay. And how many subscribers or downloads per month? It's Uh, uh, about 8,000 a month. Yeah. We've we've cleared 150,000 total downloads for Suncast. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Thank you. So I didn't mean to uh, turn it on you, but basically, uh, you know, when I when I hear about success or think about success, it's you have a personal ambition, a goal, a vision, and then you go out there and you pursue it and you execute on it and you accomplish it, or you learn something in the process. I think of that yeah. as being a success. I could point to uh, any number of uh, leaders, but uh, the reality of the matter is um, I haven't been privileged enough to understand their day-to-day, so I'm just reading, and I would just mention the same sort of people that anyone would out there. But for me, it's kind of hearing these type of stories. I should should Um, turn our Suncast interviews into a book then, if if that's what you want to study. I'd buy it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm curious if there is a, as you sit on a Sunday thinking about the week ahead, Mm What does, what does success for that week look like? How do you continually set the bar for yourself? Ah, uh, for me. Um, so sitting on a Sunday or a Saturday, since you never stop working. <laughs> well, seriously, uh, for me, every, I used to do this on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Now I do it on a monthly basis. And every month I have <clears throat> two things that I absolutely must get done that month, right? Like, you know, come hell or high water, these two things must be resolved. Everything else could, you know, fall apart. And um, I won't stop till I get that done. So if on Sunday, as I'm planning for the week ahead, uh, you can imagine there are a lot of competing things. If by Sunday I've whittled down my list of about 200 things to two things and said that these are the most important ones and I feel good about that, then for me that's actually a success because we're now at the point where prioritizing and figuring out like what to spend most of your time in is uh, one of the bigger challenges. So we've known for about a month now that we were going to do this. What was the other thing on your list for September? (laughs) (laughs) The other thing on my list for September was that we're in the process of growing the team. Yeah. um, And there were a couple of things that needed to be put in place because you can just add people, but then you want to make sure that we have this saying here, it's the best place for the best people. Mm -hmm. So there were a couple of things to do on that front. um, And... uh, uh, I have a, a little bit more time to get that done. Yeah. But uh, this, was, this, this actually was one of the things that was important. What are some key lessons or takeaways from the important mentors in your life? Yeah, there's one that comes to mind. And this just has to do with um, 
basically the importance of getting started, you know, put all the plans in place, but actually going out there and doing something. And uh, I was sharing this with uh, some of the team members uh, the other day. And uh, I had this um, mentor who used to say to me things like, tell him all of these plans and I hope to do this and have this impact and so on and so forth. And he would basically say like, if you want, he was full of great sayings, but one of his, one of the ones I liked was he would say that, look, if you want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, you're not going to get there by reading books on nutrition. Just yeah. go to the gym, right? And his whole idea was like, just go out there and do something. Yeah. Like practice at the yeah. thing that you're looking to get good at. Mm. Um, uh, and so many times, you know, we'll plan, we'll strategize, and we'll try and craft like the best approach. But at some point, you just have to go do it, right? Yeah. Like try it, see what happens, learn from it, adjust. And that's something that uh, I found uh, to be very useful for me throughout my career yeah the power of the start yeah apart from being the chief commercial officer chief operating officer apart from developing a software company uh, and being a startup entrepreneur what are you most fanatical about I actually still do solar installations for fun okay. uh, when we can. Uh, we've done some in like Congo and tried to do some in other countries. So uh, that isn't uh, part of uh, the software itself or yeah. the main business. Yeah. That's more just uh, uh, a passion project mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Let's see, general hobbies. Uh, I, love, uh, I love track and field. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as a sport, because it's something that people like. Uh, I think that athletes in that space are a lot more humble. It's a lot harder. You can yeah. be a regular person and be an athlete at the yeah. same time. I wasn't very good at it, but I liked it. So I love I love sports. So are um, you more like javelin toss or triple jump? Uh, neither of the above. Um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you lean towards? Uh, I like probably more the track type yeah? events. Yeah, okay, if speed. it was, yeah, yeah, like speed. Yeah, momentum. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. those. Yeah. Repetition. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Perhaps it's charades or parallel parking. But what are you te- the terriblest at? Parallel parking, <laughs> driving in general. Driving in general. Yeah, all those years in you New live York close did not close by, so you don't have to think about it. I do. I moved once we moved. I kind of moved with the office. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't have to drive. Last Christmas, I had to drive from like DC to New York, and uh, it was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of close calls. Obviously, you guys are sitting at the intersection of growth for our industry. Companies depend on the software that you provide so that they themselves can grow. There are a few other places in our industry, apart from perhaps lead gen companies that can truly take credit for giving companies scale. Mm. Uh, what has you most excited right now for growth in our industry? And you can't say Aurora Solar. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll exclude Aurora. I think that, I think that next year or two could be some of the most phenomenal years for mm-hmm. the industry. When I look at, um, so when I, when I was in uh, my previous life, which is many, many years ago, almost mm-hmm. a decade ago now, but in the chief investment office, one of the things that you eventually were asked to do is look at the world, look at the markets and think about like where the bank itself should be uh, mm-hmm. making bets or investments or things like that. And when I look at all the factors that are in place for solar, I'm just so excited. I think it's just going to absolutely blow people's socks off, like how big 
this will become. I think that you have the macro factors of the fact that interest rates are going down again, right? And many times people get loans to get solar, so that means that it's cheaper for them effectively. Things like the inflation that would affect utilities are going up, their cost bases are going up, so that means that the alternatives to clean energy are going up. People are becoming more and more aware. Uh, Next year in California, we have um, uh, the California solar mandate, which is going to turn like every new home into a billboard for solar. And people will be talking about it and opinions will be mixed, right? Like they are now. Um, Some people are for it, against it on both sides of the political spectrum. But just by virtue of the fact that people start talking about it, people will start saying, huh, I wonder what this is or how it may work for me. Mm -hmm. So when I look at all of those factors combined, I just think, oh, and we're also going into what a lot of people think will be a slowdown in the economy. And when you're slowing down in the economy, most of the time you think about, oh, how am I going to save money, right? Less than maybe solar winds out versus uh, that kitchen renovation, right? Because this will actually save you money versus uh, improving your living. I don't know. I don't, why, do, why do people renovate kitchens? But, you know, like... Because <laughs> it's the single best uh, return on your money for resale. Okay. So there you go. Right. right? Uh, so maybe there you're more defensive. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> they're laughing at me. I renovate my microwave. But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, in any event, like my, 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 my overarching point <laughs> is that I think that a lot of the macro conditions right now are really set for solar to take off. I think it's very exciting, not just for Aurora, but for anyone who's in the industry. Mm -hmm. I think that um, it's going to be a much bigger player. And uh, it's going to be because of the work of uh, thousands of what we call truck in a truck, right? Companies, as well as uh, the big nationwide firms. Um, So I think it's an exciting time to be in solar. And uh, I... I feel like everything that we've been through, the tariff situation, everything else, we just went through it first and we've Mm. learned and adapted. And um, the next couple of years, I think, will be really, really good. We'll exceed all the forecasts that you're seeing from a lot of the research shops in terms of what what it will mean for solar. If you could give advice to someone who's transitioning into the solar industry right now and looking Mm -hmm. for a job, Mm -hmm. what would that be? Uh, well, first of all, congratulations. I think that you're on the right track uh, and look at the right thing. Second of all, I would say that uh, it's really important as much as possible to educate yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, unfortunately, not only in solar, this is common in uh, any industry. There are a lot of, excuse my French, idiots just running around, right? Yeah. Like, so you want to make sure you you're not idiot. one of them. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you want to educate yourself on, like, what does it mean and everything else. So yeah. I would advise uh, listening to Suncast, right? Like um, here, here. reading Green Tech Media, reading Solar Power World. We try and put out a lot of really great content on our blog. Indeed, there was um, a very good blog recently. Yeah, absolutely. My friend Conrad Chase. Okay, great. Yeah, that's right. So that was uh, a lot of great work that uh, Gwen and uh, the market team here does. Um, But just, uh, you know, first of all, congratulations. Second Mm -hmm. of all, educate yourself, right? Uh, And then third of all, uh, to the advice that someone gave me once, which is that after you've educated yourself, don't stop there. You have to just go do it, right? Yeah. Like volunteer with um, grid, alternatives. Uh, grid alternatives or a, um, there's another one uh, locally, Sunworks or okay. some of these other organizations so you can get some practical experience. And once you have that underneath your belt, you've done all three of those things, um, uh, uh, call us, yeah. uh, <laughs> go to our website because we definitely are looking for people who put in that work. Yeah, yeah. Or, or others. Yeah. Uh, that was tongue-in-cheek. But. <laughs> well, 
I'm curious, how do you educate yourself and keep sharp or ahead of your peers? What resources do you regularly return to? Uh, those, uh, those, those same ones, actually, mm. those are on my bookmark list. Uh, yeah. uh those and other industry publications. Uh, okay, I think we don't that, need to please anyone here. It's just, no, no, us. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think cause I still have that finance geek yeah. uh, angle of mine. I do read or look at Bloomberg, new energy finance or things like yeah. that, because, uh, I still love the intersection of finance and solar and you know so i still love looking at like more the macro trends do you send stuff around to your team when it comes through your inbox it doesn't even have to come from me i actually get way more we have our slack channel where there's a solar channel of people posting stuff all the time so usually it accumulates and then at the end of the day i kind of go and get my curated digest i love that that's (laughs) see this is genius you create your own curation from within your team yeah brilliant yeah it wasn't it wasn't for me, it's for general knowledge, but that's what it turns yeah. into. What was the toughest question you got asked that you can talk about during the fundraising roadshow? Uh, and I'll say, question. was there one that changed the way you presented to others? Right. So like somebody, somebody hit you, maybe it caught you off guard and it changed the way that you presented to every other VC. I wouldn't say it was a particular question. Mm. Um, but I would say that you have a very short interval of time to hit them with the most important things, mm. right? And so what we had to do was change from telling the narrative and the story of what we're building and everything else, because given the industry that we're in and what we love doing, we started with that and then built yeah. up a crescendo. And what we learned very quickly was to hit them with the facts, yeah. number of customers, number of projects, this, revenue, so on yeah. and so forth. And then after you get that out of the way, it's like, now that I got your attention, you know, uh, right. this, is, uh, this is how we're going about it. Got it. Right. So, yeah. That's good. It's a bit pedestrian, but mm, effective. What habit or consistent practice do you feel has given you the greatest leverage or has had a big impact on your life? I think that uh, there are several, but one that comes to mind immediately is uh, I think it's really important to be able to uh, uh, dispassionately ingest feedback, not take it personally. Right. Uh, that's something. And it could be feedback from people. It could be feedback from the markets. It could be feedback from customer. Like, it doesn't matter. But really, like, trying as best as possible not to have a stake and just honestly, objectively take mm-hmm. feedback is really hard to do. I've literally got down to the point where just to be as disconnected emotionally from it. Mm. I stopped saying when I was back in the days trading, I wouldn't say, oh, this was a good day or a bad day because I didn't want to put any sort of moral or judgment. It was like, oh, this was profitable or unprofitable. Mm. Or this was uh, this this bet worked or it didn't work as opposed to like this was good or bad. And uh, I think that that's a, a pretty high leverage thing to do. If you can get to the point where as much as possible, you can remove yourself from uh, having an emotional connection and invite that feedback and try and just process it and, you know, act accordingly. Uh, that's been helpful for me and something that, uh, I, I hope team, you can give me feedback. Uh-huh. Uh, I hope uh, that I've grown in over, uh, over the last few years. For those who aren't here in the office and working for you, how could folks learn more about Aurora? What do you think are like the, the one or two best ways for them to interact with, engage with the company? 
Uh, for those who aren't here, uh, clearly our website is um, a great uh, resource. The blog um, is in particular. I would say resource. the blog in particular, um, uh, but also on the website. It depends on what you're trying to learn about Aurora. Mm. If you're trying to learn about the product and what it can do for you, uh, go to the website. We offer free demonstrations, right? Yep. You know, click on that. and someone You can sign really... up for a free demonstration at mysuncast.com. There's a banner <laughs> on the homepage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, that's right. Yeah. And on the homepage of uh, this website, you you can sign up for a demonstration, or you could go to www.aurorasolar.com and uh, sign up for a demo Fantastic. and one of these awesome sales. Use the non-existent it. code SUNCAST. If you do use SUNCAST, you do get a special benefit. So um, if you have a promotion, you go annual, you get a second license free. That's right. So um, that's a special thing. So yep. take advantage of it while while it lasts. Yes, indeed. Um, go to www.aurorasolar.com and uh, click sign up for a demo. You guys Aside active, from that, you're active on Twitter and LinkedIn. We're active on Twitter. We're active on Facebook. We're active on LinkedIn, and uh, we have our blog as well, where we try and produce mm. uh, interesting content. And honestly, just just hit me up. I don't have a lot of friends other than my team here, so I'm I'm looking for more friends. Well, in that to that end, do you are you personally on Twitter? Personally, well, I'm not very good with it. No. Like, I started using it, and I realized Should I was some... tweeting everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> I was you're... trying to tweet um, Steve Lacey. I oh, did yeah. at Stephen Lacey, and I, someone came up to me. He's like, "Hey, man." It's like I'm not. Yeah, it's like, what are you, what are you, what's the big release that you're trying to tweet to Steve Lacey? I was like, how do you know that? He's like, you tweeted everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah. spend more time on LinkedIn. Gwen, Gwen can work work with you on how to. How to tweet. She has so, so more time on LinkedIn. She, so direct messages on LinkedIn are, are useful? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. And you're not, are, do you have a process where you're actually accepting connection requests? Yeah. Um, it's very, it's very simple. I accept all of them. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got the, obviously we've, we've named a couple of things. You've got the ear of, you know, some thousand or so folks that are going to hear this episode. Uh, what ask would you have of the Suncast audience? There's uh, more of a personal ask and then a more general generic ask. Mm -hmm. From a general generic ask, uh, I would just... uh I would just say that keep in mind that all of us, Suncast, Aurora, you know, our competitors, most companies in the space, even the biggest companies in the space are relatively small compared mm. to other industries. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind that, you know, in many ways, we're a startup in a startup industry. Yeah. Right. And what that means is that, like, all the stories that will be written and all the articles and all the narrative is really being driven by what we're doing currently. So these are big responsibility and privilege it's very rare for you to be at you know the forefront or you know at the crest of the type of things that we're doing if you were doing um you know uh this podcast on finance it would be like okay number one million two hundred and you know like there's so many of them right but like this is very unique and this is why we're glad to support it um so for everyone else just you know have that implicit set of standards because before the regulators come on board and everything else you should have that and always be working to do your best so that's on that front and then um, on a more direct personal front, uh, uh, we do want to hear from you guys. Yeah. Like, if you're an Aurora customer, tell us what we're doing well, what we could improve on. If you're not an Aurora customer, tell us why, yeah. right? Like, okay, you guys suck at doing this. We need you to build this. We yeah. want that. Let us know. The whole, like, dispassionate feedback loop is something that we try and just, you know, analyze throughout because at the end of the day, what we want is, you know, to 
push this industry forward and obviously create a lot of value and earn some for uh, Aurora as a whole and our investors, but ultimately doing that by pushing the whole industry forward. That was beautifully said. Let's end today, yeah. as we always do, with a bold prediction. What one thing do you see happening? Maybe it's in the market, maybe it's somewhere else that perhaps nobody else is tracking. Mm-hmm. Sam, what's in your crystal ball? In my crystal ball? Um, I think that uh, five years from now, Solar will probably be something like landscaping, mm-hmm. right? It won't be a question of like if, it would be more a matter of like who, who are you going to go with, who's mm-hmm. going to do it for you. It wouldn't be such like uh, a unique, crazy, unconventional thing. It would be a question of, oh, are you going to get like the tiles or are you going to get like the retrofit system? Yeah. You know, it's more that yeah. than, um, you know, whether people at all would, uh, uh, would be considering that. And I think that that will be the case uh, generally um, across the board. Mm. Now, there's a huge housing stock, right? Over 100 million uh, single-family homes, 5.6 million commercial buildings. So uh, I'm not saying all of them would have it, but like, you know, um, at the forefront of people's homes as they're buying homes or as they're thinking about like some of their day-to-day like big ticket items like a kitchen, for example. Um, I think this would just be part of the natural discourse. And it will move out of this small kind of like bubble we have in the solar industry and there'll be all these different participants in it. So I think it'll be big. Well, as folks consider the integration of solar with their kitchen and bathroom remodels, we will certainly be pontificating and covering it here on Suncast. (laughs) Sam Adeyemo of Aurora Solar is so grateful for the opportunity to be here with you and all of you this evening. Thanks for joining us on this Suncast Live. All right. Thank you. Hey, you're still here. I love this little hang time that we get at the end with you outro listeners. This episode was so much fun. I hope that you enjoyed it being live at the Aurora Solar Headquarters in San Francisco. If you're ever in San Francisco, I really would uh, give you the advice to drop by Aurora's offices. They're a great gang. And I'd like to know, would you like to see us doing more live episodes? Would you attend? If so please head over to mysuncast.com and take two more minutes out of your already busy schedule and give us your feedback on our first ever listener survey. Be sure to write in the feedback that you want more live episodes. As a thank you, I'm going to be doing a random drawing from survey takers and email subscribers to gift a one-year subscription to our Suncast premium membership which will be getting some awesome upgrades in the coming year. If you're already an email subscriber, then you know that this week I've opened up a few coaching slots to fill in my coaching schedule heading into the new year. And applications are already coming in. So if you'd like a clarity call with me to explore how we might work together to help you achieve your personal and professional goals in 2020, please click on the Work With Me button on the website. Or just reply to my email so I can send you the application. I'll only be taking three new clients, so hurry up and apply. As always, you can find the resources and highlights from this and every discussion along with the social media links, book recommendations, and more on the blog at mysuncast.com. And I recently added a big button to take you straight there, so go find it. Thanks again to our sponsors who helped make this podcast possible so that you can listen worry-free. 
Energetic Insurance and Extensible Energy. You can find more about both of those wonderful companies over at mysuncast.com. Happy Thanksgiving. And remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. Mm-hmm.